Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 15, Episode 9 A Family Stuck. And the family isn't the only one that's stuck. We're stuck as an audience here. We have no other option but to keep forging ahead through this COVID storyline. It's grueling. The family culture, all of that stuff. And surprise! Because this is the last episode before the finale. Yeah, this is the penultimate episode of season 15, Who'da Thunk. I would argue that most people probably are just finding that out listening to our podcast. I spent an inordinate amount of time looking at TLC's schedule the past few weeks trying to figure out why Sister Wives was two hours long on April 18th. And now we know why. Turns out it's the season finale next week. What bullshit. This is where I'm I'm upset this week, and I'm going to let a little bit of my own, <laughs> I, I'm going to tap into some of the pessimism here, because I'll admit, uh, we deserve better than this. We the, None of this, the overarching storylines, every season, where last season it was like, oh, we're moving. Can we move? We're moving. That's every episode. One biggie housey. We're all, should we be in? Should we not? Should we visualize it? Maybe. <laughs> And then now this season is like the family culture, the COVIDs. It's eroding. We're all separated. Now we're more separated. This is terrible. It's all dragging so much. I do have to say, that being said, this is still one of the better seasons in recent history. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm okay with, yeah. I don't know where the bar is, given that. I'm okay with where the episodes have been for the most part. Just the general overall storyline and pacing. That's where I'm upset. The pacing 
is way too slow and they have stories. We know they have stories. We are still in goddamn April of 2020 this episode. So that means they are going to sit on footage. There's going to be content that comes out potentially in 2022 that's going to be a mid-coronavirus pandemic storyline. Y'all, Janelle hasn't even gotten her mold taken off yet. That happened in May of 2020, and we haven't addressed it on the show. You know they're going to drum it up. McKelty's baby announcement hasn't come up. The baby's already born. (laughs) By the way, congratulations to Tony and McKelty. But please air this sooner. I know, I know. I have a theory. This is what I think is happening. I think they've split this season into two pieces, and it is going to start much sooner than a year from now. If we have to wait a year to pick back up, there's going to be a problem. Oh, just wait for those recaps. You're going to lose it. You're, I'm going to lose it. And TLC is going to lose the audience because nobody's going to remember. Nobody's going to care about any of this crap. It will be two years after the fact when it gets around to airing it. There's just so much more interesting stuff to come that I can't believe that we're ending before we get there. Isabel's surgery. That's the thing I'm most irritated about. Oh my God, there would have been so much drama around that and navigating that during a pandemic. All of those things, like that's an interesting storyline for like a COVID storyline. Are you saying we didn't need to see Janelle have the same conversation with multiple people in one episode? Correct. That wasn't necessary? Highly unnecessary. And especially seeing how these are the same conversations that we've seen on every episode, dating back to the Olive Garden dinner lunch. (laughs) Can we guest produce an episode? Let's throw that out there into the the universe. I'm going to put it on my vision board. Give me a season. I'll work with a season, not just an episode. Just give us the raw footage and we'll cut it. I'm going to tell you, this is trash. This is trash. This can go. Put this in there. Need more of this. (laughs) All right. I guess that's enough of our rant. We have to talk about this episode. I had to get that off my chest, though. So I guess before we get into it, though, we do have a special announcement. We have a voicemail from one of our legal wives on patreon stacy so it's more of a it's more of a shout out more of just a uh feel good update some kudos some kudos hey Corey and carly my name is stacy i am a legal wife uh residing in the cul-de-sac the patreon cul-de-sac just wanted to tell you how hilarious i think you guys are and how much i love the podcast um also i listen to all different types of podcasts i've never uh joined patreon or or been a contributor, but the way that you set everything up was so clever. I just couldn't resist. Uh, seriously, it's hilarious. So anyway, I hope you guys have a fabulous weekend and get working on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you, Stacy. I love that. There's a lot of time, energy that went into creating the Patreon. Came from a very, very strange, hidden away parts of my brain. It was deeply thought out. <laughs> A lot of it. I really had to channel the Brown family energy, and we've created something that's a lot of fun. So if you want to check it out, go to patreon.com backslash surviving pod. You can join the virtual cul-de-sac family that we're building there. And remember, every dollar you pledge on Patreon makes us that much more successful than my sister wife's closet. 
So that's always a feel-good moment right there. Hold on. Y'all, we didn't get Robin's lasagna recipe. And it's not for lack of trying. No. You guys were tweeting her. I'm a little shitty about it, though. I still say there's cottage cheese in it, and it's terrible. It's overcooked. Oh, it's definitely burnt. And it's, like, really hard to burn a lasagna. Because that's made to be in the oven. <laughs> anyway. You know she doesn't put enough cheese on top. Oh. So then the, no- oh, yeah. the noodle burns because it's The noodle it's burns up in the corners. The cheese is burnt over the top. The sauce is dried to a crisp. Oh, there's not enough sauce between the layers. Guarantee that. There are mushrooms in it. Ugh. And zucchini. <laughs> hey, I, I like know. Zucchini. I know you do. <laughs> I don't. I don't like zucchini and lasagna. Like zucchini and everything. Fry me some zucchini and let me dip it in some sauce, some ranch. Some ranch. <laughs> ranch lasagna. <laughs> you dip everything in ranch. Might as well. All right, I think we've put it off long enough. So let's go ahead and get this pony in the water. We haven't been saying that enough lately, and I feel like most people who probably picked us up this season have no idea. No fucking idea what we're talking about. That was Neither a, did I. Yeah, oh, no. That came from somewhere else. That was a pre-life <laughs> spiritual moment. I have a hard time knowing what animals do. Just some background. Well, it wasn't even that. It was just... Carly. No, and I'll give you credit for that. No, because <laughs> I think you were mixing two different phrases. I was mixing some drinks beforehand and that contributed. And that too, yeah, that was a big part of it. Anyway, let's get this pony in the water. All right. TLC description for this episode. The Brown family is having problems communicating. And when Janelle sets out to resolve things, it's apparent that maybe some things can't be fixed. Then Robin opens up to Cody about having more children. I feel like half of this episode description was the same description from last week. When I was writing it, it felt like I'd already written this out. So that was where it was weird. I was like, did we read this before? Maybe we need to count how many times the word communicating comes up in episodes descriptions for season 15. All of the 10 episodes that there were or will be. I feel like this is misleading, too, because then Janelle sets out to resolve things. It's apparent that some things can't be fixed. We didn't get there yet. Did we learn that? No. I don't think we learned that. (laughs) This is a little misleading, but let's go ahead and fix this up. Get it all squared away. Get it in its right and proper place here. Carly, go ahead and hit us with the episode rewrite. All right. Janelle and Christine form an anti-COVID alliance. That's COVID with a K. (laughs) Cody endures plural marriage so he can brag to God. Robin reveals she's being haunted by a dark-haired Victorian-era child. Okay, that was the highlight of the episode. Let me tell you. We're going to talk extensively about that. And it's such a throwaway segment. That's what people were calling out on Twitter, too, was like... Oh, it was filmed for absolutely no reason. And I would bet you money, again, hashtag tomato gate, <laughs> I would bet you money that this was filmed out of order. This was filmed before quarantine, and they just threw this in here as filler. It does seem like it must be related to the conversation that took place at the Darger's house, where she awkwardly laughed... And then told us that her uterus was out of service or something to that effect. Wasn't to be spoken about. Her cervix out of service? (laughs) All right. Now we're getting too personal. No. Yeah. I think that was the issue that she had too with the darker conversation was everybody else 
assuming what's going on with her lady business. <laughs> All right, let's jump in. We kick it off and Cody's reflecting on his discussions that he had with Mary last week during her anniversary, really just talking about most of the ranting that took place. And there's a bigger issue at play here. He's questioning plural marriage in general and if they can function as a family in the future. In case you didn't pick up on the very subtle theme of the entire season. And go ahead and mark it off, too. This is another episode that starts with the uh, self-shot footage warning disclaimer title cards. So if you're drinking to that, (laughs) go ahead and knock one down right now and count it. Yeah, that was quite a recap that Cody had to run through of that 30th anniversary extravaganza last week that we were so lucky to experience. Now we jump into a family Zoom. Why is Robin always in the car? When they Zoom, she's not leaving the house. But as soon as they got on a family video call, Robin is in the car. There was one call that was from her Her throne room. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say bedroom, but it's not her bedroom. I don't know. I'm not sure. And it was that fireplace energy spot. It wasn't a fireplace, but just if you think back on it in your mind's eye, you can kind of picture one. That's what it seems like it was. She was dropped into a scene from Outlander. Right in front of the hearth. You think she likes the car because of the angle the phone is at? Because it really seemed to to trim down what's going on in the neck area. I don't think anything will help with that. But I think it's her excuse of she has a bunch of little ones around the house that can't be quiet. Oh, that's right. We've got Ariella who can't be trusted when there's a camera around. Because when they were breaking all the legal news in Utah... (laughs) To the kids, giving them all the updates of the laws and regulations that are being passed. We had to disclaim that. What do you think they what do you think they do with her when the professional camera crew is there? Do they lock her in the basement like they do the dogs on Teen Mom? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my mind went somewhere else and it was not good. (laughs) Cause as soon as you said basement, I I went right to Jean Bonnet. <laughs> oh, it's getting dark. Don't worry. We're getting to the creepy stuff later. I'm not proud of it. I'm just setting the tone. <laughs> All right. The reason we're having this video conversation is because Hunter's coming home tomorrow. It's the start of summer break at Chanel's house, and she is over quarantining. She's not doing this anymore. The CDC says not to be in groups larger than eight to 10 people. So I don't know what we're trying to accomplish here this summer because the family, count them up, you're about double that. I can't handle how Janelle won't just be straight with us about the voice against the situation. We know the voice is Robin. You just don't want to say that. Why does everybody treat her with kid gloves? I don't get it. You can't falter for that too because Robin (laughs) just wants the family to be healthy and safe. She loves her family so much that she'll stay away from them. Except for Cody. Except for Cody. Because Cody actually has his own little rules as well that he wants everybody to follow so that he can get to go to all the different houses whenever he wants to see everyone. But nobody else is allowed to leave the house because then that puts Cody at risk. The stupidity of this is what is irritating about it. Yes, you should follow CDC guidelines. Agree with that. You should be cautious. Agree with that. This is April. 
we don't know too much about coronavirus at this point. But Cody is going from house to house every two weeks and is going to be patient zero. I don't understand what they don't get about that. He keeps saying that they're quarantining. He's not. They're not. Quarantining would mean you take two weeks alone before you go to another house. That would be quarantining. No, that's not what he's doing. He just comes home like he is a doctor and strips off his scrubs, makes sure he leaves the shoes in the garage, washes his hands before he touches any of the kids, and that's it. Turns out we got a family mutiny that's starting here because Christine also wants to get together with the family. Christine's got plans and she's going to do stuff. Janelle's already tapping out. Yeah, she's like, uh, just so you guys know, I can't do this all summer. I'm not going to. Christine's like, I've got to meet a realtor back in Utah to look at some houses. So I've got plans. I can't cancel these. <laughs> Too many showings. That's where Robin has to chime in, though. You can't have a relationship if you're not alive. Well, she clearly proves that theory wrong later on this episode. <laughs> she's got a pre-life relationship that she's very insistent on following through with. She's got some spirit babies lurking around. So Cody called the doctor again. This this doctor's probably like, can I recommend you to somebody else? Because I, I think that I'm going to retire in the near future. I'm changing my phone number. My practice is no longer located here. And what he heard was they should still stay apart. So he's not having any of Janelle's bullshit about getting together over the summer. I found this very interesting when Cody claims that Janelle is lazy about an ounce of prevention, meaning working on the old saying of an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. But then this is the guy who two weeks ago was asking if the cure is more dangerous or more harmful than the disease. <laughs> so I really don't know where Cody stands on a lot of these issues. It's all very confusing. Janelle also seems to think that Cody's being too extreme and that the family may fall apart because of it. Y'all were working on that long before COVID was a thing. Robin has to play dumb. Like this isn't working out entirely in her favor. <laughs> so what's Cody's solution here? We need a leader. He tells them, here's your choice. You cannot see anyone so you can see me or you won't see me. But everybody gets their choice. They can choose. It's up to you. What would you like to do? See, this was where Mary was disappointed. She was like, I was really hoping that we'd be able to kind of work through this stuff together and maybe come to some shared decisions at any point in these conversations. But it basically just ends up with Cody telling people to make their decisions. Each mom will get to make a decision, not realizing that every decision impacts other parts of the family. It also bothered me when Cody referred to Janelle's children as her children. Oh, he's been doing that all the time. He does that all season. the time. Yeah, he does that all the time. Except for when he's talking about Robin's kids. <laughs> this conversation wasn't a waste, though, because Janelle thinks that she may have formed a very important alliance with Christine. And she's so confident in that alliance that she tells Cody her kids would rather see Christine than see him, to be honest. So if it comes down to seeing the rest of the family or seeing you, I know what we're going to choose. Well, they're going to have to go to Utah to see Christine. <laughs> So you got to be comfortable with the travel aspect there too. But then even, yeah, trying to round this out, let's end on a positive note where we can kind of find some common ground. Hey, we have Coyote Pass. We have all this land. 
We're able to go and do things and spend time together. Maybe we can meet up and have a picnic on the property, six feet apart from everybody. Oh, five feet is what Christine initially <laughs> suggests. And Cody has to correct her. Six, six feet. feet. Six foot minimum. He's definitely bringing a measuring tape out to Coyote Pass. Yeah. And then Janelle tries to say that it would be weird because they would all need to bring their own food. That's not weird. That's that's what you do on a picnic. That's what you can do that. You bring your own food to a picnic. If it was a potluck and everybody brought their own stuff, that's different. No, but this is a picnic. This is a picnic. You bring your own basket. (laughs) And bottle of wine if you're married. Now you got to sneak that. You would think that Cody would be well-versed on the picnic baskets from his snagglepuss. <laughs> he's got, he's prepared. He's got four murder tarps in the back of his truck. He's ready to go. But even at that suggestion, we'll be outside. We'll be on our own property where nobody else, go, nobody goes. <laughs> Not another human being to be found for acres. Cody thinks that's still too risky. Ah. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit much. That is extreme. I would put that in the extreme category. You have more than enough room to spread out as far as you want. In theory. It's too close to Robin's house. (laughs) That's true. If she's downwind, (laughs) you're going to have to map this out. (laughs) Saul is at high risk. (laughs) Maybe the ponies on the property. Think Cody's bought that horse yet? Got to keep the barn hidden. We haven't seen anything come through. He's worried they're going to give the horse COVID. Spent thousands of dollars on it. They don't have a horse vet. That's who they keep calling. They're getting all their COVID (laughs) news from the vet. The best part of the episode is when Cody explains what Coyote Pass is. (laughs) In the next segment, we literally just talked about Coyote Pass, about how it's this land that they own. They bought it with intentions to build, but clearly we as a family do not have time or money to do that right now. Y'all, this is not their fault. This is shitty editing and storytelling. Coyote Pass, maybe you heard of it. We talked about it five seconds ago before the break. (laughs) Turns out we're teeing up a big story here. This was so important to make sure that we knew in the penultimate episode. Gwen and Isabel went out to the property, presumably to get the fuck away from Cody while he was at Christine's house. And they got Gwen's car stuck in the mud. Big old tractor stuck in the mud. The car is so buried. It has clearly been out here for a period of time, by the way. Because now it is significantly less muddy. And now you have to pull the car out. Which seems impossible. So impossible. For the amount that it's dug in, this is going to be a challenge. Yes. Um, Because Cody had directed them to stay on the road. It is quite muddy out there. They did not do that. And now let's assess what the damage is here. He starts hysterically laughing like a madman. And I'm not going to lie to you. It was bad. It was really bad. The I mean, (laughs) this thing was deep in the mud. It's like the tailpipe is right on the dirt. (laughs) It's like the frame of the car is on the ground. She just dug that hole because, you know, she got stuck a little bit. So then what did she do? She just started flooring it. So then the tires are just spinning, digging the hole. You're not going anywhere. You're just going deeper into the mud. (laughs) We get to see Cody's narcissism at full play here because instead of asking a neighbor who he knows has a tractor and can easily pull this car out of the mud, 
He's going to attempt to use Christine's infinity. Which is not a tractor. All he achieves is kicking up decades worth of prairie dog feces from those back tires. It's a lot of prairie dog plague flying around. A lot of plague. You're definitely going to need to call the CDC out now. Robin's got that phone number on speed dial. They should have had their masks on, but they didn't. They weren't being careful here. I did like the Oregon Trail soundtrack here for trying to pull the car out of the mud as well. thought that was a nice touch. There were a couple of nice musical moments in this episode. Gotta pay closer attention to the music. Yeah, some deep tracks there. (laughs) And Cody's planning on pinning this on Christine when it ultimately fails. Yeah, because essentially Cody's doing the same thing. He's just digging himself a bit of a hole as well. And you can't keep doing that for too long. Because then you're going to have two cars stuck in the dirt, stuck in the mud on your property here. They do somehow get this to work in the end. It's all thanks to Cody's trusty shovel. I'm telling you, Mary's lucky that he came back with the jacket last episode because he had those shovels ready to go. Yeah, Cody still had uh, a shovel at the ready in the trunk of his car from his anniversary excursion with Mary. It is part of his kill kit right next to the murder tarp. (laughs) So Christine hits the gas in reverse. The car careens back onto the road and the girls congratulate Christine, not Cody, for a job well done. Not that he didn't take that personally or anything. I mean, why would he? Really? Why did we watch this? Because Cody always made it abundantly clear when they were moving from Las Vegas that he wanted to buy land so he could play in the dirt and the mud with his kids. And now... That wish has been granted. We don't have to tie back to everything that was said in a previous season. We don't have to complete every arc. I did like to see the Christine stunt driver storyline circle back here, though. Oh, yeah. She loves this. She lives for this shit. That was good to see her. I'm sure she had some leather driving gloves on, too. We didn't get to see her (laughs) gear up here before this, but I just picture that. Harkens us back to the 4th of July Rebellion episode. Where she forded the river. (laughs) Floored it right through some open water. It was great. It was fantastic. So now we get to see her doing some business in reverse here. I like that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now we have to watch a painful conversation between Janelle and Robin because Janelle's still not seeing any improvement in the family communication, despite 
her intervention that she held in the first episode. So she's invited the king's hand over to talk to her. And I was shocked that she came over. Were you? I wouldn't say shocked. It was strange to see Robin out of the house, though. That's what I mean. She was in close proximity. She actually came into the backyard. They had a conversation. She did have her official conversation blazer on. She had her court-issued blazer. And they stayed about six feet apart. A lot of conversation over the vegetable garden, which wasn't ready for harvest yet. No fruit on the vines. Hashtag tomato gate. (laughs) So we're thinking this is probably early in COVID, right? Probably end of April, early May. It's before the mall was removed. Did they talk about COVID at all during this conversation? Because now I'm wondering if this took place before. They talked about their Zoom call because Janelle was talking about how she has this idea of making plans, doing stuff in the summer, and Robin was very quiet on that call. So she wants her to speak up more. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, this is, we're having conversations about conversations now. We're having meetings about meetings. (laughs) Nothing more efficient than that. So this is the first time we hear in the episode that Janelle is looking to improve her communication skills. She's ready to brush up her resume a little bit because she's thinking maybe in these conversations, her excitement comes across as aggressiveness, which now that Mary doesn't say anything on the calls, I'm sure she seems like the aggressive personality. Well, and Janelle is very goal oriented, very straightforward. Yeah. And like task minded. So if she has something that she wants to achieve, then she goes out and gets it. The problem is that nobody else speaks up. There's no defined leader anymore because Cody has decided he's not doing that. He doesn't give a shit what anyone else does anymore. Just you figure it out. Mary's not saying anything anymore. And she used to be the one who would default to being the leader of all of the women. Robin doesn't say anything because she waits until they're off the phone and then she tells Cody what she thinks behind their backs. So we don't get very far when we have a conversation together. Then this is where Robin gives us a rundown where this sort of strife in the family, it's mostly reserved to the family because between her and Cody, they rarely ever fight. Maybe they've had five fights that she can recall since they've been together. Maybe not even that. She does mention that she seems to be a little introspective in that her first relationship, her first husband... They used to fight a lot. They had a bad relationship. We know that there have been accusations that it's abusive. So she tends to be more careful about how she approaches conversations to avoid any type of confrontation. So I don't know if that was a shield she was putting up about, hey, I get quiet and reserved. I avoid confrontation. She's trying to kind of appropriate some of Christine's story into her backstory here now as well. Because Christine has to be the non-confrontational one. She hates having serious conversations like this. Always has. But this is where Janelle wants to introduce the idea. Let's talk about how we talk about these conversations. Never mind the actual problems. Let's talk about talking about the problems. Because that's what we need to work on first. Let's set some ground rules the next time we have a family conversation. And we need to do this because otherwise we're just a bunch of monogamists that share a husband. Janelle's just calling him like she sees him. That should have been the theme for the season. So then we're picking up at Janelle's house. Cody has been visiting for a bit here. There was a long stretch where he was not allowed at Janelle's house. But now it's Christine's birthday date and this is way overdue. So he needs to go take care of that. 
Did we have to see every single person's birthday that occurred between March and April this season? Was that necessary? I don't think it was necessary, but I think that is what happened. (laughs) And they were all out of order, too. Yeah. So that was fun. Christine is excited because they are going on what she is calling a road trip, which is really just Cody doing the same thing he did with Mary. Have no plan, get in the car, and pick up food somewhere. Taking a long road trip drive in the convertible. Where did this convertible come from? Did they rent this? I don't know. I guess maybe the visor came with it that Cody was wearing. No, he stole that from Robin's closet. (laughs) My sister wife's closet? His sister wife's (laughs) closet. So they drive to Sedona and we're reminded that they've been here before. This is where we picked up Nancy, the family therapist. So we get to see a bunch of great memories of times when the family had someone to guide them in their communication. And of course, we have to keep talking about COVID. So Christine asks if they're taking the family separation too far. Cody says, no, what's going on here is his wives are starting to have a challenge between their emotions and science, and they're letting their emotions win, which was one semi-intelligent thing he said this season. Yeah, I might need to see some of those reports that Cody's referencing as his science. (laughs) I'd like to see the peer-reviewed studies that are associated with that. But he also likens this to being a lifeguard who has to keep policing this whole situation and kicking kids out of the pool. I mean, he was ready to kick them out of the pool for other reasons before COVID began, but... Just adding to the list. Convenient excuse to be able to do it now. Christine's drawing a line here. Listen, if Maddie, Caleb, and the kids come to visit, I'm not staying away from them. She doesn't think it's fair that Cody would be able to go see them. And by Cody's rules, Christine would not be able to go see them. First of all, nobody should be doing that. (laughs) First question, why are Maddie and Caleb visiting from across the country in the middle of a pandemic? That's question number one. Because the flights are so cheap. (laughs) That's that's answer number one. (laughs) And, I mean, number two, yeah... Cody's not quarantining correctly, so I guess I somewhat see the point. But why are we going to endanger everyone involved so that we can see small children who can also get sick? I think that's the part that Christine's missing is just obviously it's there's the risk between what you can spread to the kiddos, but then also what the kiddos can spread to you since she is a middle aged 50 plus year old woman. Middle aged? (laughs) I don't know. The aging process seems to be accelerated when you live polygamy. Right. (laughs) So nothing better than having a fight before you get out of the car to watch a nice sunset together. We're putting the top up on the convertible. We're playing a magical song and we're going to go soak in the sunset. Christine tells us what we already knew. Things have been strained between her and Cody since she said no to the one big house. And now she's at the bottom of his list. She's on the shit list, if you want to put it that way. She is the basement wife. And this is when we get a real gem from Cody. He tells us that there's this thought in their religion to endure to the end. That way, when you die, you can go brag to God about how much you were able to withstand in your life. Look at all this crap I put up with. That doesn't seem like a path to happiness. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like, again, just... Another reason to live in spite, just to spite God. (laughs) 
The more I endure, the more I have to bitch about when I get up there to talk to you. I'm going to rub his nose in it. (laughs) And Cody says it's more obvious than ever before that Christine doesn't enjoy the challenge of plural marriage as if he enjoys it. Yeah, because then he has to come to the same conclusion where he's like, wait, I don't enjoy it either, though. So I don't know why he's faulting Christine for that at this point. Well, it's because... Her not enjoying polygamy has made him not enjoy polygamy. It's all her fault because until she said no to the Biggie Housie, he had this picture of what their life could be. And as soon as she said no to that, it destroyed him. This might be some irreconcilable differences. Mary had the catfish. Christine has the Biggie Housie. That's it. But now we're getting to the real meat and potatoes here. Home is where the Robin is. And we're here to have a discussion. We're walking about the property. We're finding a spot to sit there. So they're just sitting there and Robin is already starting to act weird. She's doing that giggling thing that she was doing during that darker discussion. It's very strange. She does this every once in a while. Sometimes in the confessional with Cody when they're on the couch, she acts like she's a 14 year old girl and she comes out with it. She has something to say. We're gathered here today because she wants to know if they're done having kids. She is. 41 years old, and her biological clock is ticking. She's not getting any younger, that's for sure. Girl, the clock is broken. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty close. (laughs) So Robin has to admit, there are days when she's baby hungry, (laughs) and she wants another. Can I tell you how much baby hungry killed me when we saw it in the preview? Baby hungry. (laughs) She doesn't have... Baby fever. She is baby hungry. And once you pop, the fun don't stop. (laughs) And another one. (laughs) Cody attempts to tell us about all the children that he has. And he starts out by saying Logan was born in 294. 294. Cody's been having kids for 26 years. That's all he knows. His whole identity is wrapped up in fathering and having special interactions with little people. That made me giggle, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like how this was the whole conversation, too, was basically just a WWE promo that Robin was cutting where she was calling Cody out, calling him out on his all of his comments, all of his jokes about her cervix. Stop saying cervix. (laughs) (laughs) About her womb. Turns out Robin hasn't put herself in the best position to get Cody to say yes. He's a little shitty that Ari's been a really sweet experience he tries to start out with a compliment but she's been weaned for a year and she's still terrible to live with right yeah it's been a wonderful experience but also terrible (laughs) robin's like no it's been better since she's been weaned no no it has not y'all i googled weaned because not a mother and are you telling me this bitch was breastfeeding this child until a year ago it it's not totally uncommon no, I, I get it, but there's just so much about this situation. We have a four or five-year-old who is still using a pacifier, who was being breastfed until about a year ago, who co-sleeps in her parents' bed. And then she has an older brother that did the same thing right before her. When you put it all together, yes, I understand what you're saying. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm not going to say that it's completely out of the ordinary for that to be an experience and again most of the time that's for the moms the moms have trouble and you know robin would have a hard time 
telling her kids no. The problem is that these children are made to be reliant on Robin by Robin. So come to find out, Ari has just turned four. She's a night owl who doesn't like to go to bed. And Robin describes her as active during the night. This man is in his 50s. He is ready to enter grandparent mode. You babysit for a few hours and then you send them home to their parents who get to stay up all night. Cody is at his wit's end with this kid. He's just complete mental exhaustion state. But then this is where Robin chimes in. She never got that, oh, I'm done feeling when it comes to the babies. There's a reason for that. She can't be sure if all of her babies are here with her. Because in their religion, in their faith, you make free life promises to baby spirits to be their mother. Okay, so this was where I had some issues (laughs) this episode. (laughs) Because Robin wants all of her babies to be here on earth with her. All the babies she made pre-life promises to. If you don't know how many promises you made in the pre-life, how can you feel bad or guilty about letting down imaginary babies? Well, luckily, Robin has thought through that little glitch in her plan, and she's come prepared. She has an idea that maybe there's another baby out there because she's had visions. Okay, this is where it takes a turn. <laughs> but even, okay, before we get to that, because yes, that we need to address that. It's a big part of the episode for me too. But I'm still on this. Imaginary babies, pre-life promises. Did it bother you as much as it bothered me when Cody was talking to Robin about wanting a life with Robin that's not all about their kids when he has had, count them, one, two, three other wives who are done having kids and he has no interest in sharing his life with them? Yes, particularly Mary. That was wild to me. Yeah, Mary's an empty nester. She's completely alone, and you're saying you don't want a relationship with her at all. No, that's because Robin is his one true wife. These are, this is a monogamous couple. And if you didn't believe it until now, this is all the evidence you need. So this is where Cody's been walking on eggshells around this conversation. He doesn't want to discourage Robin from having another baby if she's had a premonition about having more kids, which clearly... Robin decides to share with us quite an experience. This is the thing. Robin's been just sitting there and there's someone that's just been hanging around for a long time. I'm sorry. There's someone or something that's been lurking around their room lately. (laughs) Carly, if I said that sentence to you. (laughs) I would never come back to this house ever again. The reaction would be extreme. That would be the last night that I lived here. I would burn it down. I would never come back. And I would probably try to get in contact with the Vatican to see if we could get you an exorcism. (laughs) So, again, coming from Robin, who earlier this episode explained that you can't have relationships with people when you're dead in reference to COVID, now shares with us that she believes we're all spirits before we're born. She believes that she's met and interacted with some of her children before they have arrived here on Earth. My first thought was this is why they needed six bedrooms when she was looking for a rental. Yeah, one for the spirit baby. (laughs) There's just an empty room. That's the spirit baby's room. 
just an empty room with an old wooden rocking chair that you walk by the door and it, you catch it out of the corner of your eye, rocking with no r- logical reason behind it. No wind blowing. The window's not open. There's maybe a little, a little raggedy doll, an antique doll that sits in the chair sometimes. You know what happened? It moves around the room. Do you know what happened? They dropped one of those knickknacks that she had <laughs> in storage. Pick any display case in Robin's house. One of those. Something fell out of one of those china cabinets. Something fell. Something broke. Got loose. Something got loose. You heard it here first. (laughs) And Cody's expression during this, when she's explaining this, is like a dog catching a scent. (laughs) Where he's just pointing. His face completely distorts. (laughs) Because then Robin has details, too. She has to add details to make this believable. It's not just any something, someone, there's a little dark-haired boy that she's been interacting with. So now it's escalating. This is confusing to Cody because all of his kids have blonde hair. Yeah, so who's the father of this baby, Robin? (laughs) No, you know what it is? We probably missed one from her first marriage. She came up short. So you might have to circle back. I guess you're going to have to go fuck that dude again. He's intrigued, though. What if this could be his only dark-haired boy and he's just out there in the spirit realm? Of course, what if they try to have a baby and instead they have a little blonde girl? What does that mean? Take that as a sign. What does that mean? It means Robin played you (laughs) as a fool. Because Robin admits she has this crazy fear in her head that she'll leave someone behind. She's going to leave one of their kids behind in the pre-life. Do you think that this spirit has been following her from house to house? It's a poltergeist. Okay, that's not the only crazy thing that's rattling around up in Robin's head. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Robin definitely bought a Divic box at one of those (laughs) antique estate sales or something. I'm worried that Cody is not convinced because that should be enough evidence for Robin to bring up a dark-haired boy. You do not have dark-haired children, Cody. So then that's where he has to go with his next logical scenario. I guess maybe that means we're adopting? Maybe. Okay. I had even more questions about this. You are a polygamous family. How are you going to adopt a child? You file the paperwork. You just hide through the whole process that you're on television, you're a polygamist family, and you're going to adopt a child into a situation where their parents are knowingly breaking the law. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) If you want the simple answer, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it's going down. But no, I like how, okay, my analysis of this scenario, right? Let's think through this logically, because I think Robin is building this as an impossible scenario for Cody to achieve. So it's something similar that we saw Cody do to Mary last week, where he wants to be courted, but then he wants to reject her, (laughs) right? It's the impossible scenario. Now we're seeing an impossible scenario by Robin for Cody. He's never going to have a dark-haired boy. So what does that mean? She just gets to keep having kids. She's going to be chasing this dragon for as long as she can. Maybe this is a distraction from him thinking about taking a fifth wife. My uterus is still good. My womb works. And there's still a little brown-haired boy in there. My eggs is good. Yeah, you got to go get your boy. (laughs) Somebody's got to come get him. Why did we have this conversation? Because there is no decision made at the end. Yeah, it turns out Robin doesn't feel strongly either way. They're still unsure. They can't decide. Thanks, a la Mary season three. (laughs) All right, let's bring this one home. 
Hunter is home from the Air Force Academy. He's going to be here for the next three months. School's out for summer. And Cody is staying away for a couple of weeks just to avoid any possible exposure. And Janelle thinks, convenient, we can use this time to figure out what we're going to do for the rest of the summer. I thought it was pretty ironic that Janelle has a no soliciting sign at her door. (laughs) Did you catch that? Oh, my gosh. You can't write this stuff. Oh, you got that many people who are involved in MLMs in your family. (laughs) You got to start posting signage. Or it's like, you can keep that shit at the door. Leave your LuLaRoe leggings in the car. And your green juice and whatever other shit you got. (laughs) So here we go again. We're having the same conversation we had with Robin, except this time we're doing it with Christine. I was so bored. This was where I got distracted by the soundtrack because they kind of chimed in. It was like a little Mulan soundtrack. It was. For a second there. It sounded a lot like the Matchmaker song. They lost me with Christine pulling into the driveway and the Matchmaker song from Mulan. (laughs) Now add a cricket just for luck. (laughs) And even you won't blow it. (laughs) Janelle needed that cricket, let me tell you. Because this is not going to be an easy conversation. I was struck by the fact that it seemed like it was the first time that she'd ever been in Christine's backyard. Yeah, that was a little odd. She's like, oh, this is nice. This is a nice yard. Got some good vibes back here, Christine. I'm digging it. So Janelle tells Christine the same old thing she told Robin. This is literally a copy and paste of the conversation. I thought I was going insane. (laughs) Even Christine's responses are almost a copy and paste because at one point she says that she feels nauseous and she gets a stomach ache when they have to have these family get-togethers and conversations. Everybody's on script. And Robin said she gets a tummy ache too when they get together. When they have to talk, all five of them have to talk together? Forget it. Tummy aches all around. We do settle some things though. Janelle tells Christine she has no hard feelings about the one house discussion, even though they were on completely different sides of the issue. Christine tells Janelle that at the time she felt like she was being pushed by Janelle and Cody to do what they wanted her to do, that that was more important than what she wanted to do. And so that's her fear. She doesn't want that to happen again. I'm not going back. We hear the same thing that we heard a couple episodes ago about how Christine looks back and wishes that she took better care of her kids, that she stood up for herself more when they lived all together. And Janelle thinks this is a deep, long-standing hurt. That could have been avoided had they communicated better in the past. Also, this is all stuff that Christine is talking up to. It would be an exact repeat if that happened again. She knows it would be the same situation. She knows she would put herself last. She would step aside and let people walk all over her because that's just her personality. So if she doesn't have her own space, she doesn't have her own domain, then she's not going to be able to defend herself in these ways. Also, going into the situation, she already feels like she's at a disadvantage. She doesn't feel empowered because she doesn't think that she has an equal voice. We know Cody doesn't care what she thinks. Yeah, she has a hard time believing that that will be the case, that she will be heard in this way when clearly everything that she's voiced about this scenario has not been heard. This is where Janelle tells us again that she's trying to change her communication style. Maybe doing that will help. Christine feel more heard in the conversations. And then Janelle pitches something interesting. 
let's just put our cards out on the table. Let's talk about all of the shit, all the problems, all the hurt that's going on, all the feelings so we can work through it. Christine's like, yeah, that's a great idea in theory, but pretty unrealistic, I would say. (laughs) Pretty sure everyone's just going to end up with worse hurt feelings in the end. Right. Where Christine's like, eh, there's a fine line between being honest and being safe. Maybe we should see the footage of Mary and Cody's anniversary before we decide to do this. Yeah. (laughs) How deep are we digging back here again? Uh, I might just want to keep that one to myself. I don't know if we want to have conversations where everybody decides to just let the gauntlet down. On the murder tarp. (laughs) And say whatever comes to mind. Just stream of consciousness. Not a good idea. They don't do their best work there. They don't want to be separate. That's not what they signed up for. They're at a crossroads. And Christine's ready to throw another twist in their path here. She wants to move back to Utah, where they have a community. Because living on Coyote Pass, as the only polygamists around, sounds lonely and a fucking horrible way to spend your golden years. Janelle can't commit to that right now, but she does want to try something different. Maybe let's try the communication thing first, before we... Start throwing around ideas about moving to another state again. Can we try that, maybe? Because Janelle don't care about the fallout. We need the storylines. Let's talk through this. And that is where we end the episode. That's how we are teeing up the season finale. Next week is a two-hour-long episode, and what are we going to see? The wives take sides as conflict grows over Cody's COVID-19 rules. Janelle attempts to improve communication. It's there what? again. What? but must overcome Cody's frustration. Then Christine gathers the wives to pitch the idea that they should all move back to Utah. It's going to go about as well as you think it's probably going to go. But again, I am so frustrated that we're ending the season here. So we better not wait another year to come back to this. They need to bring this back in like September, October at the latest. Yeah, we can't go a whole nother year. We can't go a whole nother year and pick up midway through COVID in 2022. That's just not going to work. So we're not really sure how we're going to handle the recap for next week. Guess it depends on how much interesting commentary there is on what takes place in these two hours. If it's going to be four more sessions of Janelle talking about communication with other people in the family, this same copy and pasted conversation, the notes might be pretty short. (laughs) It will be one episode of a recap. It's going to be one episode in that case, but it could be. Yeah. Who knows? It's juicy. If they hit us with some good stuff, maybe we'll split it into two episodes. So I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see how that goes. But again, we will be picking up with our, we left off with our rewatch sessions. We were almost to the end of season four. So we were, oh, we were getting to some good stuff in the rewatch. Ironically, we left off at Mary's baby decision. Shocker. (laughs) And also the inception of my sister wife's closet. (laughs) So that has been a journey in and of itself as well. So it may be one episode next week. It may be split into two, but then we'll be picking right back up with our season four rewatch as well. So stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. We'll keep you posted online and in the uh, upcoming episodes as well. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow us and tweet with us about the episode at surviving underscore pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next week. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 